21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. What does it mean to have a resilient mindset? Oh my gosh. I gotta say, you know, resilience, um, it didn't happen overnight. It basically, a lot of uh, troubling times, you just keep kind of powering through and then you kind of look in the rear view mirror going like, okay, I guess we just kind of jumped over hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. And then you kind of recognize that there's some resilience there. I definitely didn't wake up each morning going like, I'm gonna be resilient. It's just a matter of waking up each day and like trying to face the challenge the best I could and uh, move forward the best I could. What does it mean to face the challenge? Like on an emotional level, on cognitive level, on all levels of existence? You know, I mean, growing up, I mean, I was always uh, very inquisitive on how things worked and how things uh, came together. So um, I guess I always kind of had somewhat of an engineering type mindset trying to break down, break down problems. So whatever that problem is, whatever that challenge is, um, at first it can be very, very overwhelming. And then it's just a matter of like trying to step back and then analyze it, try to bake it into smaller pieces and then have small victories over the smaller pieces. And then you can actually, you know, get over that mountain, which just seemed to be unclimbable at one point. Why is it necessary for disabled individuals to develop a strong mindset? Oh, wow. Uh, boy, great question. And, and I don't know if I necessarily have an answer for that one. I mean, I think we're all we're all people. I mean, life is life is challenging as it is. Um, you know, that's just that's just the way life is. Um, I, I think we're all on our own individual path. And I think we need to do everything we can to try to get down that path. I think we can do a lot more working together. Um, but as a disabled um, man i guess as a as a wheelchair user i would say there are definitely things that are harder for me that may not be um that may be really easy for others i mean i wasn't always in a wheelchair i broke my neck when i was a teenager so reflecting back on growing up there were a lot of things that i could do that i can really no longer do now and um i took for granted um i mean being able to you know pinch my fingers being able to pick up like a pencil or whatever just so easily be able to write my name without any trouble um, but life continues on and we got to do the best we can. So having that resilience, having that ability to face that challenge as a disabled person, um, I really don't have a choice, um, but I lean into it and get through it. For all of us that are in much better position than you are, what is the message for everyday life? Not only business, everyday life. Wow. I mean, I would just say life is just so precious. I mean, life is a blessing. You know, I look back when I when I first broke my neck, um, I remember being in the hospital and really feeding myself negative talk and saying things like, it's not worth living if you can't walk or saying things like, why me? Why did this happen to me? Which is a really unanswerable question. And somewhere along the lines, why me turned into why not me? Meaning that if there's a challenge, like maybe I'm the one that needs to try to get through this. It was kind of a self-motivation for me to be able to move forward.
like not forgetting the past, but being able to look back on the past and use it as more of a um, an instrument to learn from and then pay those lessons forward. So, I mean, my message to anybody, disabled or not, it's really reflecting on life truly is a blessing. May it be easy, may it be hard. And we really have to take each day for what it is and do the most we can with it. Do you have any concrete way of doing it? For example, getting getting into awareness, uh, getting into contact with, with yourself, etc. So if you can go a little bit more deeper into that topic and then we will continue with business. Sure, yeah. Well, I know working as a community is definitely important. Um, again, reflecting back on my own injury, when I was in the hospital trying to get connected with any sort of network of what the future would look like, uh, that was vitally important. And at that time, there really wasn't a network out there. I mean, this was 1996. The internet was just coming on. Um, it was difficult to really find others that I could consider mentors. Well, now uh, you can just go to Google and put in some sort of search and uh, get connected with people through Facebook groups, through Instagram groups, like through LinkedIn, getting connected with organizations that may give you some tidbits of information that can help understand your current predicament, but also being able to lean on somebody and uh, share your story and hear their story to move forward. So I guess my tidbits of what I could say to help facilitate that is first off, get out of bed in the morning, um, take that first step, put on a shirt, get outside, get out in your community, start engaging with folks because each, each little, little tiny step, it may not seem like much, but the more steps you make, you end up going miles in the long run. When you say engaging with people, do you have any specific way we need to do it because there are positive people, but there are also negative people? It's incredible what conversation can come just by using the word hello. Just by saying hello, how are you today? Look at the weather, just something very simple like that. That 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 small little icebreaker can all of a sudden turn into a big conversation. Not to say that you're looking for a big conversation, but just some small little icebreaker like that is a starting point. And the crazy thing is, you know, we don't know what's going on with each individual person when we're engaging with someone. That small little little interaction, that could be the most positive thing that that person had all day long. I like your shoes, I like your shirt. Can I help you with that? Something that simple is a great place to start. So if I understood you well, to go without any prejudice, because I am not uh, the, the the arm of, of the God, and I'm not the God, and who am I to judge somebody else? Maybe that person is wonderful person. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Mark, I mean, just like, the, the crazy thing is, I mean, the way our conversation just started off, it's like you and I have never talked before. We've never met each other. And then all of a sudden, within the first two sentences, we were having a spectacular conversation. And I think it started with like, oh, my goodness, look at how small your room is. Or how is the weather today? I mean, or how is travel? Oh, boy, travel is tough. So just like that, just by engaging that conversation, you and I were able to find something we could both relate to and then share our experiences. And in doing so, all of a sudden it develops a relationship and relationship truly builds community and success for everyone. 
let's stress out that we need congruence as well. So words are not just words. We need to, to, to be emotionally synchronized and synchronized on all different levels of our existence when we communicate. It's not enough to say, oh, it's nice weather, you know, like, but, ah, oh, it's nice weather. It's from, from my heart, from my, from my stomach. Right. You know, I think about uh, like a court system, a court system when there's some sort of dialogue between various parties, there's the court recorder. So they're writing down the words, they're writing down all the communication. That's great. But it doesn't communicate the emotion and it doesn't communicate the actual engagement, the picture of being there in that moment. That's the stuff that really starts warming people's hearts. And also, you know, it can be it can be difficult conversations, but at the same time, it's being present. So having that emotion, having that empathy, having that sympathy, um, having that motivation to share and having the vulnerability, I guess, to share as well. There's a lot of elements in my own story that are very, very vulnerable. And I can go there without without trouble to find that emotion. I mean, there's so many things that it would not take much for me to like really tear up because the emotion is so powerful. But what it does is when you share and you feel um, comfortable enough to share that emotion, share the hardships, um, there's so much power and so much strength and others that you're talking to receive that and feel that. And they too then feel empowered to share their own story or to self-reflect and understand that they have the ability to choose to change their own mindset to move forward the best they can too. Can you go a little bit more into uh, some of obstacles that uh, can get in the way uh, of developing a resilient mindset? Right. Well, I mean, reflecting on my own story, um, I remember being, I remember being in the hospital and things were just going slow. I wanted to, you know, I, 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 I would reflect on my previous life of being able to run and jump and kick a soccer ball and swing a baseball bat and climb up these mountains. And then in that moment, I'm basically laying on my back, looking at a window at those mountains that I used to climb and now not being able to. And that was a real jagged pill to try to digest because I felt different. And I felt, I frankly felt kind of robbed um, of this previous life that, uh, you know, I, I was on this path and then I'm now I was on a different path. So I really had to leverage. There were a lot of folks around me that saw, continued to see potential in me, but I had to look really deep to try to find that potential in myself. So they believed in me really before I believed in myself. But somewhere along the lines, it just really scared me of the path that I was on and I had to choose to change. And it was a matter of focusing on what I still had, focusing that I was still on this planet, still alive, still able to breathe, still able to wake up in the morning, feel the sun on my face, and then just move forward the best that I could. 
but I mean, it's slow. I mean, everything I wanted, I wanted faster than I would get it. I mean, I remember trying to relearn how to write my name. The first paragraph that I wrote, it must've been 30 words. I mean, that took, I don't even know, at least 30 minutes. I mean, it was very, very challenging and exhausting, but you try it over and over and over and you get a little bit better. I remember the first time I tried out my first wheelchair, first like sitting up in bed, I just passed out. I mean, just the blood just ran right out of my head. It was incredibly challenging. You get in the wheelchair, like, okay, well, I'm going to push myself 10 feet. I'm like, all right, well, tomorrow I'll push 11 feet. So I think about like just really continuing with life. And obviously like life is very challenging for everybody. Um, you just got to identify where you're at and make small goals to move forward because those small goals compounded over time really turn into big goals. When you say small goals, um, are they on daily basis or it is not important how much time do you need to, to achieve them? What's, what's the, what's the um, philosophy? I mean, goals have just a huge range. I mean, you can have your big goals. I mean, like, I remember like thinking about this business, like starting this business. Um, the original concept was to create one pair of shoes for myself, for me to be able to regain the ability for me to put my shoes on by myself. That was the initial goal. That was the initial goal. It was a very small goal, but at the same time, it was somewhat of a big goal because it was a piece of independence that I had not had. So to be able to overcome that, it was, it was incredible. And it was so special that we wanted to share it. Now, then the big goal turned into taking a, um, an idea and turning it into a business to smash fashion and function together and be on the shelves of major retailers. So that's a huge goal. But how do you start? I'm like, okay, well, let's figure out what it's gonna look like to make more shoes. Like, who do we talk to? Let's start with like, kind of like writing out like somewhat of a plan writing out who we could network with that potentially could have some insight to get us to where we need to go. So the small goals were basically developing the plan and making that plan more granular. But the big goal obviously is going to be the mission and the vision to try to get to that end state. From first word to actually being able to speak to Zappos with your shoes, <laughs> pretty, pretty huge. <laughs> transformation right big leaps big leaps so if we can just start at the shoe um i i broke my neck at 18 at 36 years old i finally took back that independence of me, me being able to put my shoes on again for the first time in literally half a lifetime And uh, the moment really was so special, we knew we had to share it. And uh, we didn't really know what that meant. So for us to start, what we did was we made a Kickstarter campaign. It was a crowdfunding you know, vehicle to be able to get exposure through our own network, to be able to one kind of experiment to see if what we had in mind was gonna be a viable option. If people were gonna like gravitate to the brand, if they were excited about the idea. And uh, also to generate some revenue to be able to move forward to the next big step. So um, from that Kickstarter campaign, we 
we went out and manufactured 4,200 pairs of shoes and uh, we got those. And uh, unfortunately, the manufacturer we were working with did not do a good job. And those 4,200 pairs of shoes, 80% of them ended up being bad. What a setback. What a setback indeed. Yeah, oh it was God. a huge gut, a gut blow, financial setback. It was incredibly challenging to try to overcome that. But what that did was it forced us to go out and find better manufacturing, better relationships. And uh, through that, um, you know, they could have said no, but instead they said yes. And uh, we were able to double down our money, just really take another leap of faith. And uh, that is what got us into Zappos and Nordstrom, a better product working with, um, you know, more reputable uh, sources, and then also being able to get in the room and share the story with the buyers of these major retailers. Again, they could have said no, but instead they said yes, and they gave us a chance and we delivered. I would say that a big part of our success would really be three things. One would be word of mouth. So people talking about the brand. Two, relationship, like getting in these networks to be able to get in the rooms, have the right conversations with the right people. But third um, is mentorship. I mean, going out and seeking like folks that have actually been in the trenches before in the shoe industry. I mean, that was a big thing. And it's like, okay, we're, we're trying to launch this shoe brand. We've never done that before. We have no idea what that looks like. So what better way to point us in the right direction than find somebody that's been in the industry for a long time. And they can share their ideas. And from those ideas, then we can kind of move forward small. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to have as many shoes. I mean, right now, oh my gosh, we have thousands, thousands of different variations of shoes. Now, when we started, we only had, when we went into Zappos and Nordstrom, we only had 10 options, um, 10 options in 10 different sizes. Now we have hundreds of different options and each one of those has you know, 10 to 15 different sizes. So the, 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 the magnitude of, um, of options out there is just compounded through the years, but we had to start small to really test the market. Um, especially since we'd already failed once before, um, we had to be responsible and move forward, move forward accordingly. What's your business model now? How do you make money? Well, we have two, uh, we have two sales channels. One, we have our direct e-commerce, which would be billyfootwear.com. And then we have uh, the whole retail side, which is the business events, which is the wholesale side. And uh, we just have lots of independent stores throughout the United States. Um, we have a lot of big box stores. Um, the two that we started with were Nordstrom and Zappos. The bigger box stores we have now, we work with Target, we work with Kohl's, we work with DSW. Those are massive accounts. Um, we also have retail partners up in Canada and uh, throughout Europe. So right now our distribution between what's e-commerce and what is wholesale, it's about 40% e-commerce and then 60% wholesale. I would imagine that the e-commerce percentage is actually gonna be going down as we move forward, just because not to say that e-commerce is slowing, it's just that the market is significantly larger on the wholesale side. So that's gonna grow more rapidly. So I would say the end state was probably about 30% um, direct to consumer and then 70% wholesale. 
what does it mean uh, universal design in relation to your shoes of course so universal design i love that question because it's a question that i knew um, growing up uh, being an engineer um, working as a mechanical engineer for the federal aviation administration it was a term that meant that it's a it's a facility or a space that everyone can go in there and be uh, be successful may it be equipment may it be people everyone can navigate that space without trouble so we took that same term and applied it to fashion what we wanted to do is bring something to market that had the fashion had the function that anybody could use and anybody could enjoy it now it was a term that i'd never seen um, applied to fashion um, our brand gets really touted as an adaptive brand kind of pigeonholed in that space but we can satisfy the adaptive market, but we certainly are not constrained by it. What we wanted to do is bring something to market that was easy on, easy off, a very convenient shoe that had both the functionality that someone like myself as a wheelchair user could really be empowered, but also have the trendiness and the style lines that could sit on the major retailer shelves and anybody would want to buy it. Me as a parent, oh my gosh, me as a parent now of two kids, Anything we can do that can get those kids out the door faster is always a check in the wind column. So parents are loving the convenience of our shoes. Any copycats? You know, we do get copycats every once in a while. Um, but what we find is they may uh, be putting a zipper. I mean, having a zipper in a shoe is not original, but having that wraparound zipper where the whole upper can fold over, you can drop your foot in unobstructed without having to shove your foot in. That, that's unique. Um, we have seen companies out there um, try to duplicate it, but uh, it hasn't been much of a concern simply because, because we're manufacturing in bulk, we're able to one, get the quality right, but two, get the price point right, get a competitive price point. If you're doing a really small batch, or if you're trying to do a really niche type shoe, um, the price point is significantly higher. So the copycats that we see out there, the price point just isn't there. So it's not much of a competition. What kind of communication do you have with your customers? We give the ability for our customers to leave a review after each one of their purchases. So uh, through these reviews, the customer has the ability to one comment on how the shoe works for them but also really share their own story, give their own testament and, uh, or their own testimony. And um, it's interesting because we get these comments sometimes where it says, oh, like love the shoe, love the color, looks good, which are always, which is a great comment. But we also get these other comments that come in where the customer is really using the platform to share their story. And uh, oftentimes you can feel the tears between the lines on some of these stories where it's apparent like giving their child the ability to do something they never been able to do before. Um, empowering themselves, being able to put their shoes on independently for the first time. And that's the type of stuff that really warms my heart because I can really relate to what they're saying because I had the same experience. So that's one way we definitely are able to connect with the customers. We also reach out through social media, through Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. We also have a growing TikTok channel um, where we, we put out content and uh, the customers have the ability to comment, but they're also, you know, putting out their own content and tagging us 
And then we have the ability to one reply to that, but also ask permission um, to be able to share it with our retail partners because we can then share it with um, the customers of those big box stores and they can feel the value as well. What is happiness for you now after those transformations that you that you went through? I am a happy person. I am a happy person. I mean, I grew up as a happy person. I I grew up in a um, you know a wonderful household, um, a very supporting and loving family, and I just got thrown a curveball. I really did. I mean, a, a three story header um, to concrete, breaking my neck and breaking my back, getting a spinal cord injury, injury in both places that really, really threw me for a loop. And that sent me to a very dark place. And when I was there, I had a very difficult time seeing out of that fog. Um, but I, I, I will say, as soon as I was able to kind of see beyond the situation that I was in, I was able to reflect and really crunch the numbers. I mean, a three-story head first fall to concrete the likelihood of you surviving that is pretty low. So the fact that I just survived it and still had the ability to live another day, um, come this October 9th, I've been on 26 years of bonus time. So that really puts a smile on my face. And it also, I think, puts an obligation in my heart to try to add value and make each day count as much as I can. So what is happiness to me? I mean, now happiness is waking up each morning next to my wife and my two kids, um, having a having a successful business that I can put all of my heart and soul into. That also makes me happy. But what makes me even more happy is seeing the results and seeing the outcome of other folks out there that are having these life transformational experiences, just like I did with the shoes, because in that moment when that happens, it's no longer a shoe. It's much more than a shoe. It's a tool and uh, it's a widget that's opening up doors and lots, lots and lots of opportunities that we may have not had without the shoes. The best place to find us, uh, the mothership is billyfootwear.com. We're an e-commerce business. Um, on that site, there's a tab that says store locations and you can see all the store locations throughout the US throughout Europe, throughout Canada, and even Australia. On social, we are at Billy Footwear. We keep it nice and simple. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, it's LinkedIn. It's all at Billy Footwear. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.